1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox and Will Brinson here, and uh, we are doing our All 32 series, the series where we catch you up with insiders and give you all the information that you need on every NFL team. And today is a very special day because we're talking San Francisco 49ers with 49ers Insider and host of the Shanna Plan podcast and writer for Niners Nation, Akash Anna Varathan. How are you doing, Akash?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thank thanks
1: you. for I joining mean, I'm, us. I'm excited. Oh,
2: yeah, I'm excited. Right, right. Are
0: you an iron street? Katie? I hadn't figured that out through the course of this podcast. <laughs>
1: it's like it's like kind of a small part of my personality. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: right. Um, she's even she's even got the red on today
0: to you, did you change? Were you wearing red when we recorded the previous podcast? I mean, obviously I we, we don't we don't, we don't do everything. I know I, I um you can tell like when we record these too, because like you know, if I were smart, I would think about changing shirts for each podcast. But the like the laundry quotient there, uh, you know, and also I think I've been accused of wearing like that's the same shirt you wore yesterday. I'm like, no, it just just looks like all the shirts I own. Any rate I'm going to um I I I know you guys think I wear the same shirt. I'm going
1: <laughs> don't, to. Akash, don't let him tell you he doesn't wear the same shirt every day because it's happened.
0: <laughs> I, know, I usually, I actually take the shirt I wear the same day off and then put it on. But anyway, going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pivot for the obvious first question here because I think I'm gonna let Katie at, not not ask. Yeah, not, I'm not gonna let Katie ask the obvious one. I'm gonna let her ask the one about her man's Rock Purdy, her new man since uh, the Jimmy G left town. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna instead ask you about the defense, Akash. What um, you know, Javon Hargrave. I think uh, we, on the on the Eagles podcast, Jeff Kerr called it like the best signing of the offseason for anybody. Um, and I, I'm curious, like, what, what what do we think we've seen so far from him and how he's going to impact uh, this defense? Jeff used the phrase, he's going to unlock uh, Nick Bosa, which kind of feel like Nick Bosa's already unlocked. <laughs> is but man, unlocked. <laughs> you look at what the Eagles did with their pass rush. Yeah. You know, they signed him from, uh, from uh, Pittsburgh, I think. And it was, you know, one of the steals of the, of that free agency, and now he gets this big payday because teams realize what he can do on the the inside, 18 and a half sacks over the last two years. What do we expect the impact will be on the defense with Hargrave in town?
2: This was quietly an area of struggle for the 49ers Mm. to finish out the season last year. Um, Their interior pass rush just was not good enough. I think a couple years ago, they really banked on Javon Kinlaw kind of developing into this type of a player. Unfortunately, injuries, he just never quite got there. And so they had to go the free agent route. And I was surprised because Javon Hargrave, probably the best defensive lineman, one of the best free agents you know, in this class. And the 49ers went out day one, gave him $80 million to bring him to San Francisco. And you know they continue to invest in that defensive line. They believe they kind of build that defense inside out. And now you've got Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, and Drake Jackson, who's a second-year player, the coaches have been raving about him. And so I think Hargrave's going to kind of unlock those edge rushes, just like you mentioned, um, with his pass, rush, uh, pass rushing ability.
1: All right, uh, Akash. Elephant in the room. It's so funny. We were talking to uh, Q. Myers with the Raiders today, and he was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and we don't know who's going to be under center, and is he going to be healthy? Is he? I'm like, wow. We finally don't have to talk about that, but yet here we are saying who is going to be the 49ers' quarterback again. So, from what you know, what is happening in that QB situation? Is it Brock Purdy? it seems to me that he's healing well and they're hopeful that he's going to be week one. Also a lot of good information uh, being downloaded about Sam Darnold and how he's been playing. And then there's Trey Lance. So what can you tell us about what's happening in San Francisco in the quarterback room?
0: I like how you listed them, by the way, in the order of like that you want them to play. Like,
1: yes, it's it's pretty. By the way, this is my quarterback depth chart. It's Purdy. pretty. And then it's Sam Darnold and then it's Trey Lance. And I would not be surprised if Trey Lance moves at some point this season. Ooh. That is, but Akash, you know, you, I've been saying this for <laughs> quite a while.
2: Yeah. We, we've been chatting about this and I, I, I can't wait for the off season where we don't talk about the 49ers quarterbacks <laughs> and they just roll into the season with the same guy they had last season and there's no rehab and, uh, it's just not a conversation. Did,
0: it didn't even happen with like Montana and Young, though. Like, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> Captain and Alex Smith. I mean, like, it's, I mean, when, when, seriously, when was the last time that like it was like actually like a, you're just like, right, the 49ers are good. And not, not, they always have like multiple options, right? Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. I think it might have been Jimmy Garoppolo's first offseason where he got the extension yeah. after 2017, yes. where yes. he wasn't rehabbing. He was the guy. There was a lot of excitement. But since then, it's just kind of been. You know, up and down with injuries and whatnot, but uh, it al- it always makes for good content, so I can't complain. Um, <laughs> um, sure. But like John Lynch has mentioned, all off season, when healthy, Brock Purdy is the leader in the clubhouse. And you listen to any of the players talk, any of the coaches talk, anyone related to the 49ers talk, they they all continually say the same thing: that if Purdy's healthy, he's the guy coming week one, and He's continued to hit every checkpoint in his rehab process, right? I think we're a little over three months removed from his surgery. He's actually in Jacksonville this week. He's working with uh, throwing expert Will Hewlett and Dr. Tom Gormelli. He, uh, he worked with them before the draft last year. Uh, they helped him add nearly five miles an hour on his, you know, his wow. throwing motion. So he was able to get a little bit of uh, velocity on his throws before the draft. And I think he just trusts working with those guys. It's a it's a step in the right direction that you know his throwing program is going well. And I think Tom Pelicero said he's on track for Week One, which is a which is a fantastic sign. And um, it's been a while since the 49ers have had a player that has gone through a rehab without setbacks. So it's yeah. good to see <laughs> Birdie on track. And then the other two guys, I think the big thing from OTAs, the big takeaway is that neither guy really separated from the other. And so geez, it's really seven on seven. There's no offensive line, no pads, none of that stuff. So it's really hard to gauge. But I think the big takeaway was that just neither guy looked that much better than the other to warrant, you know, being named the backup. And Sam Darnold, obviously, you know, he has the support of the coaching staff. I know Kyle Shanahan really liked him since 2018. Uh, they wanted to trade for him before he became a Panther. So I know there's really? some interest there for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. They, they talked to him uh, when Darnold was with the jets and there was some interest and it didn't, you know, the, the trade price wasn't quite right. So it never went down, but there's been interest for a while. And that's why Sam Darnold signed here in San Francisco day one free agency. Um, And what a lot of people perceive to be kind of that backup level deal. And then Trey Lance on the other side, I know this off season, he worked with Jeff Christensen, who I spoke to a couple weeks ago. Um, he's he's the quarterback coach that works with Patrick Mahomes in the offseason. Um, they really emphasize working on Trey Lance's throwing motion, making it a little bit more compact, a little tighter, um, to have a quicker release, which I know Kyle's uh, a big fan of. And so I think Trey Lance has come into OTAs with an improved throwing motion. But the big question is, how does that hold up in training camp against, you know, when there's a live defense, when there's a pass rush, can he still continue to deliver with that new improved throwing motion, or does he kind of fall back to his old ways? So, I think training camp is going to be really important for those two guys, Darnold and Lance, the training camp, the joint practices with the Raiders, the preseason games. It's really going to kind of determine uh, where they stand on this team. I don't, I truly think Kyle doesn't favor, you know, one versus the other right now. And he's just purely looking at it. Like who can give us the best chance to win. And I think the new rule where they allow the third quarterback on, you know, the active game day roster really helps both those guys because it gives them both a reason to stay. So, I can see all three of them on the roster, you know, come week one.
0: Oh, I think I'd be shocked if they weren't all three there just yeah. because of the uncertainty with Brock Purdy. And like, you know, the fact that they like Darnold that much or have liked Darnold that much for that long. And then, you know, you have like, I mean, if you trade Trey Lance, it's one thing, you know, I mean, if there's somebody out there that really wants him, but it's like, man, if you trade Trey Lance and he's good somewhere else. I and know. Purdy gets hurt or Darnold doesn't work out. And you're <laughs> sp- and like you not going to get what you t- traded, t- gave up to get Absolutely Trey not. Lance. Like, yeah. I think you almost have to ride it out. I don't, it's, it is, it's the most, it's the most like, and I know you talk about, you know, it's a like great content. And it is like frustrating that it's all a lot with what we talk about with the 49ers, but it's this roster is so effing good. And there's just this, like they went to the freaking <laughs> NFC championship game Two years with, in a row. Two years in a row, backup. but with Mr. Irrelevant and quarterback, like the backup to the backup. Like, you know, I mean, Jimmy gets or no, like Trey gets hurt, Jimmy gets hurt, Brock comes in, goes five and zero. Oh. I mean, they can win with anybody. That's the Shanahan system. That's what everything it is. And it's like, but it's like they're just missing like that guy, like lock a guy in, and all of a sudden this team you feel like has like a window to win a couple Super Bowls. And they thought they had it with Trey Lance. I, I don't know. It's just it's it's so it's so fascinating. If you had to if you had to set like a like percentage-wise of, like you got 100% of the snaps, right, or 100% of the games, how would you divvy out the percentage of who starts how many games? I mean, it's Brock Purdy 100% if he's healthy, I guess, but I don't even know if that's true. I feel like I feel like it could be 33, 33, 33. That's the
2: hardest part with Brock Purdy, right? He he played, you know, less than 10 games last season, and so it's a small sample size to just come in this year and be like, yeah, Purdy's just going to hit the ground running. He's going to be the same guy. And, you know, yet I think everyone in the building is really confident that that's the case. So it's, it's interesting because it's not just, okay, he's healthy, he's the starter week one, they're going to be, you know, their offense is going to be just as good as it was last year. You know, that's also a, a question mark because right? he's a second year player. There's more film, there's more tape out on him. So he also has to improve at the same time to to be able to, you know, perform that well. So that's also a question mark that's out there, but. I would say if he's healthy and he's able to play 17 games, I bet he's you know, he gets 100% of the, the pie, like you mentioned.
1: Yeah, Brady Quinn always uh, tries to keep me a little bit level on Brock Purdy. He's like, wait till they watch film on him. Wait till we see him in the second yeah. year. But of course, I'm <laughs> like, no, Brock Purdy can do anything. Um, Akash, let's talk about CMC. He was such a huge impact guy last year that is really easy to forget that he was actually a midseason trade. What can we expect from CMC after a full off season with Shanahan?
2: Fireworks. I think some of the players called Me. him uh, mini Bosa, which is, you know, uh, the biggest compliment of it, of it all. Just, just based off of his discipline, his work ethic, how he, how hard he practices. I mean, this team is full of dogs. But I think there's a couple guys on the practice field that stand out. It's Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and now Christian McCaffrey this offseason. And I think that type of work ethic really is, you know, spreads to the rest of the team. And I think that's probably the biggest thing he's brought in. And, you know, on the field, we know what what he is. He's just a dual threat. Can, especially in this offense, the way Kyle Shanahan uses him, truly a chess piece um, to confuse defenses and, Honestly, it was his receiving in the second half of that season that really opened it up for everybody. I know George Kittle talked about this a couple of days ago, that you know just their ability to move McCaffrey across the formation, him after the snap, pre-snap, just really confusing defenses. just really open things for everybody. So more than the numbers he put up, it's what he created for the others. And I'd expect more of that this season. And I know the big concern with him was health coming into that trade and just... You know, he's battled some injuries with Carolina the past few years, so can he stay healthy? But I think he's in tip-top shape, and I'd expect big things from him this season.
1: All right, I love that. We're going to take a quick break here. Brinson seems to have dropped off, and hopefully we'll get him back (laughs) on the way back. We're talking 49ers with Akash. We'll be right back.
2: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
0: Ha ha the magic of the internet. David, David's of this podcast know that my Chrome likes to crash frequently, but uh, it's actually been a while for some reason and uh decided to pop yeah. up pop up like a like an injury to a quarter a 49ers quarterback. Sorry, too soon. Anyway, come on. CFC. I know we were t- I, I think I bonked out in the middle of Cnc to talk about Chris McCaffrey and sort of how they're gonna use him. I think that's what makes it really fascinating is what you know, like, you know, like, gosh, when well, we're looking at what they're going to do from a schematic standpoint, and then looking at the odds for McCaffrey here, his regular season rushing yards total is 850 and a half rushing touchdowns six and a half. And he's like 11 to one to win uh time. a favorite with, with Jamar chase. I don't think 11 to one is like that crazy for a guy who, you know, so when you, you factor stuff in, right? Like, all right, is, are the 49ers going to be good? Yes, we think so. But, I mean, it would, take a, it would be a real big surprise if they weren't a good football team with that the roster they have. We saw what they can do even on 3rd quarterbacks. Christian McCaffrey, you know, obviously if he gets hurt that would be a problem, but usage is not going to be an issue. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get the ball in the run game, he's going to get the ball in the pass game. And he's not going to win MVP. Right? Like it's very unlikely because what is he, a hundred to one to win MVP? I actually don't really hate that. Uh, but like eleven to one to win <laughs> offensive player of the year in a full off season with a Kyle Shanahan. You like he studies the playbook so aggressively, he was so prepared to when he, when he stepped into that role in San Francisco. Like I actually think eleven to one is a decent price. The rushing touchdowns I would rather go with at over six and a half minus one hundred thirty than the rushing yardage, just because I think that they yeah. will try and like analytics show that it's the touches that you get. Um, like if like a, a passing, a, a reception is much less, you know, hazardous to your health and running between the tackles, et cetera. So I think they will be kind of smart about that.
2: Would agree there. And, and just back to the offensive player of the year, uh, odds, I just think they're going to kind of get this NBA super team kind of thing where mm. the, they're going to almost, you know, be Vol- discredited because they play with so much talent on offense, Fair. right? With Kittle, with Ayuk with Debo, with McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, and he's healthy I just have a feeling that there's too many mouths to feed each other. sort I, of. Exactly. And that almost is going to, you know, diminish his impact even if his numbers are going to be great. And I think there's going to be someone else out there okay. who's on a team that doesn't have as much talent, just put up bigger, better sheer numbers and it eventually win that award. Okay.
1: Well, what about Debo Samuel? Because I feel like Debo kind of, he Debo was the guy. And then he kind of gets overshadowed a little bit since Christian McCaffrey came. And by all accounts, it was not Debo's best season last year. He came out and said uh, even that all of the contract negotiations cut into his work ethic. He didn't prepare as well in the offseason. He is locked in. This year, you look at his receiving yards, 800 and a half uh, receiving touchdowns, four and a half that under juiced though, to minus minus one thirty. What do you think we can expect from Debo this year?
2: Much better than last season. And just like you mentioned, I think he admitted to it. I think the contract negotiations spilled into training camp. I just think he wasn't in the same training regimen um, that he was the previous off season coming into 2021. Um, And I think he just looks a little bit more motivated, a little bit more focused. He looks like he's in a lot better shape this time of year than he was at the same time last year. So I just expect him to hit the ground running. Um, And again, with Christian McCaffrey in this offense throughout the year, um, I expect them to use both those guys kind of interchangeably, which is what they did in the playoffs. Right. You you just really don't know. You know, sometimes you get McCaffrey in the backfield, Debo Samuel lined up out wide. Sometimes you get Debo in the backfield, McCaffrey lined up outside. I think you're going to get a lot more of that. You know, for 17 games, and it's just going to benefit all of them. But those, the receiving prop does sound kind of high at, at 800 yards, especially with the amount of mouths to feed. I think if yeah. I think Debo, you you'd imagine his rushing number to be a little bit higher, and maybe his receiving number to take a little bit of a hit. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there.
0: There's also like the factor too, where if San Francisco is as good as we think, it's very possible that you know they're up. You know, like like we could see. I mean, I you know you wish. You wish it were Trey Sermon, but it's not. Um, I can't, won't let Trey Sermon go. But you know, like it's, it's just very possible that you know, like even you know, if they're if they're bludgeoning the Cardinals, right, that you don't see Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell getting a bunch of carries in the middle of the regular season that they they try and spread them around. I mean, clearly they're going to get their guys their, their touches, but like, I think the goal of this team. You know, is that they're so good that they can get to the postseason and be extremely healthy? You know, like I, I wouldn't, I, well, and we'll see, you know, how that goes. It can, it can, it can clearly pivot uh, in in different ways just based on on how the season goes and all that. At any rate, Steve Wilkes takes over for D'Amico Ryan's Wilkes, yeah. notably blitz heavy in his time, especially Very. his first run with Carolina. I mean, like that's his thing. He yeah. loves the dial-up blitzes. <laughs> uh, what, I mean, Do not. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, how do you, do you, like, I guess I sort of wonder, do you think, what do you think we'll see from this defense in terms of aggression level? Like, will Steve, like will Steve Wilkes be given like free run to do whatever he wants to fire up blitzes? Or is Kyle going to say, look, this is what we want to do on defense because surely they talked about that in the interview. 100%.
2: And I actually think Steve Wilkes, like you mentioned, is going to be, is going to be significantly more aggressive than D'Amico Ryan's who was significantly more aggressive than Robert Sala. It's like they've just gotten, Slightly more blitz-heavy each time they switch defensive coordinators. You know, Robert Sala, more, you know, your traditional, like, cover three, base defense, uh, a little bit more vanilla, less blitzing. And that worked, right? Took them to the Super Bowl. They had a top five defense, uh, both in 2019 and 2020. Then D'Amico Ryans comes in these last few years, a little bit more exotic with his blitzes, right? Involving Fred Warner, Drain Greenlaw, excellent blitzing linebackers. Um... And now I think we're going to see Steve Wilkes kind of take that to the next step. Um, And his background is in, you know, the defensive backfield. So I expect the corners, the safeties, they've got a couple of young safeties. And Bufunga, they drafted a a safety, Jair Brown. I expect those guys to develop well under Steve Wilkes and it to be a more exotic defense. I still think it kind of (laughs) stems from this cover three kind of single high type of defense, but I I would expect them to be more and more aggressive. I'd expect a lot more, you know, um, press man from their corners, which we've seen less of over the past few years. So I expect their defensive backs to maybe take a step up because that's where Wilkes' expertise is. But overall their defense is just loaded with talents. I've always thought defense a little bit more about the Jimmies and the Joes, less about the X's and O's. And I think they're just loaded at all three levels. So I expect them to sustain that top five type of play this season.
1: All right, the vibes are high for the Niners. 11 and a half wins is their total. They're tied with the Eagles and the Chiefs, I believe, um, at the very top. Can the Niners get 12 wins?
2: I think the biggest question there, and it's seemingly the same one every year, <laughs> again: <have> quarterback, <laughs> quarterback health, and I think the added yeah. variable this year is their travel. Uh, I think they travel yes. uh, an insane amount. They've got multiple East Coast trips. Um, a couple where they stay out there back to back They start on the season on the road, a couple games. Uh, they play a first place schedule this year, which, you know, they, they benefited from not playing last season. Uh, so the schedule is slightly tougher and that 17th game is now uh, an AFC hosted game. So it's on the road. Um, and so I, I just think tougher schedule this year, I think they're going to be, <laughs> you know, Vegas does a good job of saying there's going to be right around that 10, 11, 12 win mark. Um, and so I, yeah, that's tough. I would mean the under, but... Uh, that, wouldn't wouldn't want to be, bet it? <laughs> yeah, that would be the smart play to me. Yeah, I, would, I would It's want really to high. Play. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, 11, 11 and a half, like, especially... And we talk about this when we do the win total bets, and I read about this in the column when I do all the over-unders on CBSSports.com, but it's like... It, it, you really shouldn't be betting an 11 and over on 11 and a half wins in June or July, right? Because there's just so much that can happen injury wise between now and the start of the season, and it's pretty unlikely to move up. We've got these division odds on the screen. I mean, I'd be lying. Like the Cardinals at 27 to 1 is just a hilarious number. I mean, I wouldn't touch it. Like, I mean, it, was just, it was like 27 to 1. They're, they're, at least fifteen, like ten to fifteen teams that have lower Super Bowl odds, and the Cardinals have odds to win the division twenty-seven to one to win the division. Where you have unknown with the Niners, Geno Smith, and then Matthew Stafford, who by the way is eight and a half to one to win the division. Like I think this is this might be the rare case where, and I really like Seattle. I think Pete Carroll's done a great job with it. you know does a great job year in year out. Seattle could certainly surprise. But like minus one seventy five feels a little cheap for the Niners when you think about this roster and what's going on elsewhere in the division. I don't hate that. Like I would I wanna I'm probably gonna have a little bit of the Rams at eight and a half to one just because I think it's a bounce back spot for for McVay. I know, I love the Rams, I don't know what to tell you. Um I love the Niners. I think the Niners were the Super Bowl two years ago. Um but but uh, I think, like, minus 175 is not an unfair price. It may be a good price for San Francisco. It's a lot of juice to lay. It's early in the offseason. But anything under 200 for the Niners, given that roster to me in this division, feels like a okay number.
2: This I love just because the 49ers absolutely obliterated the division last year, 6-0. And they played Seahawks three times. And I think in 10 of those 12 quarters, it, it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, they throttled them in the regular season and then in the second half of that wild card game uh just absolutely took over so i I just think that matchup favors the niners the rams their problem is i i honestly can't name half their defense it just feels like they've got these five or six guys um on both sides of the ball that are stars and then after that it is just it's like three now
0: it's like down to three it used to be five or six
2: <laughs> it's uh their roster is rough. They're going through a transition year. I expect them to be better than maybe people expect, but I don't think they have a chance to compete in this division. <laughs> and then the Cardinals, I mean, uh their odds say. Yeah,
1: that would just don't donate your money on that plus twenty seven hundred. One more question, Akash. Uh, you know, we talked about Debo. We talked about Christian McCaffrey, but the Niners really do have kind of an embarrassment of riches on offense. If you look at some of these player props, you know, George Kittle with Purdy had a great season when the two Iowas got together. And then there's been a lot of chatter about Brandon Ayuk and how he's going to come off and have a great season. Any of those player props that you're looking into, whether it's receiving yards, touchdowns.
2: We're on the same page. Cause those are the exact two players I was thinking of yeah. uh, George Kittle's uh, regular season receiving touchdowns. I think it's at five and a half. Uh, I love half, the yeah. over on that one. Uh, I think he had seven in the last five games of the yeah. season uh, with Brock Purdy. He went on absolute tear. He said, I think it was a career high. So I'd expect that relationship to continue this uh, this season. And I think Kittle's going to easily surpass that number. I think he missed the first couple games of the season last year too. So if he's healthy, I know he's in the best shape of his life. That's what he said. So i like him to surpass that number. And then the other one, uh, Brandon Ayuk's receiving yards. I think it's at 800. 800. And a half. Same one. as close. Yeah, and that feels low to me because I think he had 1,015 last year. It was his first 1,000-yard season. Every single player on the Niners said that Brandon Ayuk was there was the best player on the field in OTAs. He was dominating that defense. Interesting. Um, and so I expect him to have, have a big year. I think he's headed into the fifth-year option season after this one. So it's a you know possible extension year. I can see him being motivated by that. And just coming back and, and putting up big numbers, I think he's going to have probably one of the better receiver seasons, you know, just across the league this year. So I I like him to surpass that number too.
1: All right. I like that as well. Akash, thank you so much for joining and talking 49ers with us. Make sure you stay tuned for more All All 32 Daily Drops in your podcast feed and on YouTube. And uh, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to this video. Thank you, Akash, and we'll see you next time.
0: Appreciate it, Akash. Thanks.